Hey everybody, you're listening to the Poema Church Podcast. Today we're sharing a message from our latest series. We believe the Word of God in Scripture is powerful and has real-life application to our lives today. We hope this message encourages you. Get connected and learn more about us by visiting our website, poemachurch.ca. If you haven't met me yet, my name is Rachel. My husband, Matt, and I, newly pastor, new song here in Kitchener, and we are loving it. We also pastor Poema Church in Hamilton. Very soon in the near future, we will be named one big family. We're not quite there yet, (laughs) but uh, for right now, I want to welcome you for watching online. Welcome to the Wilderness Series Some of you are like, that sounds a little scary, but we're talking about the dry seasons. We're talking about the desert. We're talking about when we feel like nothing makes sense. And today my message is called Wilderness to Wonder. And I want to start in Genesis 37. We're going to read the text and then I'm going to pray and then we'll get into it. So Genesis 37 verses 5 through 11 say this. One night, Joseph had a dream. When he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever before. He said, listen to this dream. We were out in a field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you'll be our king, do you? Do you actually think you'll reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon, Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. Dum-dum. Bad. Bad move. They already don't like you, but he's so excited about these dreams he's having. And he said, listen, I had another dream. The sun, the moon, and 11 stars. He had 11 brothers, by the way bowed low before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of a dream is that? He asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. God, I thank you for your word that reveals to us all things. And I ask that you would reveal how you turn our wilderness into your wonder all the time. If we would just open our eyes and see you at work. So I ask that you would speak through this today in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask you a question. Has God ever made you a promise? Have you ever had a dream or a word spoken over your life? And then it seems like within minutes, all hell breaks loose in your life. Like, God, I thought you said that I was going to do this, or I thought you said that I was called to be this, and every single thing in my life looks like it's moving in the opposite direction. What's happening here is God gave Joseph these dreams and him and his brothers had like this much perspective on what this dream was talking about. 
They understood none of what God was promising. They thought that Joseph was having dreams that he was going to be the king and they were all going to bow before him. The problem was Joseph was the least in all of his family. In this culture, if you were the youngest or the closest to the youngest, you had the least amount of importance. We see this in the story of David in the Bible. He's the youngest in his family, and he doesn't even get included in the lineup. When the prophet comes and asks to see all of Jesse's sons, the youngest doesn't even get included. And now I know why all the youngest children in every family have such a complex. I was the oldest, so I. but my sister, our entire lives, I'm like, why do you always have this complex? Like you're not important. No one's telling you that. It goes back thousands of years, right? So Joseph has these dreams and Joseph knows nothing of what God is promising him. And let me pose this to you. When God speaks a word to your life or gives you a dream or promises something to you, you likely know very little about what that actually means. You probably know a shred, maybe, maybe a 1%. And God does that on purpose because he knows and jokes on us that there's a wilderness in between the promise and its fulfillment. And I want to talk about this process. A process is a series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end. So when God promises something to you or you read something in the word of God and you take it as like, this is for me, God gives you a promise. He gives you a dream, but the process begins. The process of becoming, the process of the wilderness, the process of all hell breaking loose. And we think that when God gives us a dream or he promises something, that it's right around the corner. Just, just around the river bend. Here it comes. And I know that we do this because many of us spend most of our lives going, God, what are you doing? What's going on in, the, in my life? Like, I thought I would be here and I'm here. I thought you would have done this already. I thought I would be beyond this. And we're all humans and we all do the same thing. And some of us are like, yeah, I've heard this story a million times. I've heard this already. But let me tell you, have you let it sink in that God leads you into the wilderness? Have you let it sink in that God leads you into seasons where you are completely confused about what's going on in your life? Have you accepted a God that drives you into a dry place, that drives you into a place where all hell breaks loose? I don't think we have. Because every time all hell breaks loose in our lives, we immediately go to multiple things. God's punishing me. This is punishment because I'm not a good person. This is punishment for that thing I did 10 years ago, or God just doesn't have any control. There's no God. He's not real. If he was real, why would this be happening to me? We start spiraling every single time because we haven't actually fully 
recognized in the word of God that the wilderness is not just a place. It is the way that God works. It is the actual way that he works. It's a part of who he is. When I look at the Bible, I see a lot of processing and not a lot of promise to immediate destination. Not a lot of everything going perfectly all the time. David waited 15 years between when he was anointed and told you're going to be king to when he actually became king. Think about that. 15 years. So that means God promises you something at 25. You're not even going to see that until you're at least 40. That's the Bible's timeline. And we're waiting like, ready, like, I need it now. And God's like, sis, in your 40s is when you're going to start seeing that. Maybe in your 50s. Maybe God promised you something. Joseph, it was 13 years from when Joseph had these dreams to when what he saw in his dreams actually happened. Moses was 40 years in the wilderness before he was sent back to Egypt to deliver God's people. And then he walked through another wilderness for 40 years. None of us, the Bible says Moses was the most humble man on earth because God constantly kept him in the wilderness. <laughs> Jesus Christ, the son of God, waited 30 years before he was launched into his mission. 2 Peter 3, verses 8 through 9 says, but you must not forget this. And I'm going to take this as talking directly to me, and I'm talking directly to you. Do not forget this, friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No. He is being patient for your sake, he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. The Lord is never being slow. But for your sake, he does not fulfill his promises in your life. Because what can kill you quicker than any wilderness is the promised land. I know you don't think that. Show me a happy person in Hollywood who has made it. They're worth millions. Show me a happy one. Highest suicide rates. Highest drug addiction rates. Because getting the promise before you have the character to sustain that promise is a death sentence over your life. God also says in the Old Testament, he says to Israel, but when you get to the place that I've promised you, don't forget about me. Because we as humans, when everything's going right, we do not think of our God. We just don't. And that's why the wilderness is the way that God takes us. Because the Joseph who had the dream 
about all of his brothers bowing to him was so proud that he went around to his entire family and basically told them, you're going to bow to me. That's a jerk. That's somebody that doesn't have any humility. That's somebody that hasn't suffered the real world. That's somebody who's daddy's favorite, who gets made a Technicolor dream coat. And everybody loves him. And he doesn't have to work a day in his life. And we get all excited. And he says to his brothers, you're going to bow before me. And God's like, yeah. And all hell breaks loose. I'm going to get into the story a bit. But I want to tell you that God's timing is never going to line up with your timing. You might as well settle it. You know, I always say to my kids, never say always. Okay, just cut the always and never because it's just not realistic. This is the exception. God's timing will never line up with your timing. It never will. Okay, so Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist and it says the spirit leads him out into the wilderness. So Jesus receives this promise from God. This is my son. I'm pleased with him. The dove descends on him. And then what happens? He gets sent out into the wilderness where he's tempted, where he's tried by the devil. And then it says that Jesus came out of the wilderness filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. This means that Jesus Christ needed to go through the wilderness in order to do what God had called him to do. If Jesus Christ needs to go through a wilderness to do what he's called to do, who am I? Who are you to not need to go through some sort of wilderness in order to do what God has called you to do? Good times, easy God, easy life does not produce people who do things for the kingdom of God. It just doesn't. And there's an entire scripture, book of scriptures, to back this up. Now, I said this earlier, the wilderness is the way God works. Dry seasons, overcoming obstacles, tests, trials, being overlooked, living in obscurity, no one knowing you, no one knowing your name. Joseph went through this. He has these dreams, and his brothers hate him so much that they take him and they sell him to slave traders. And Joseph goes off and gets shipped to Egypt where he becomes a slave. And if you know the story, he rises to success as a slave. And as soon as things start going well for him, a whole situation happens where he's wrongly accused and he gets sent to prison. Then in prison, he rises to the top. He's, he's a prisoner, but he's running the prison. He's in charge. He's just, you know, interpreting dreams and he's being his amazing Joseph self. And as soon as things start looking up for Joe, he gets thrown into obscurity for more years where he's forgotten about and he's literally left in the dungeons of the prison in Egypt. 
if that was us, I don't know where I would be if that, if that was me. I, I'm not sure that I'm confident enough to say that if I went through 13 years of being sold into slavery and being wrongfully accused and being thrown into prison and forgotten about, that you would find me still thinking that God had a plan for my life. That God had a purpose for me. And many of us are in that season right now where we've had promises, we've had dreams, and we're in this in-between where we're not really sure that God still has this plan for our lives. We're not really sure that this promise is even real anymore. And so we give up. And we decide in the wilderness that I guess this is just our lot in life, and this is where we're supposed to be, and maybe someday things will turn around and maybe they won't. The Bible says that nothing is impossible for God. So when your situation or the season that you're in feels impossible for you, that is a surefire sign that you are in the right place at the right time. We think when we're winning, when we feel like we can do anything and we can conquer the world and we can chase our dreams and we can this and we can that, we don't really need him. But when we're in the place in our lives where we feel completely overwhelmed, when we feel like, I don't know if I can make it through this, that is the exact place that God leads us to so that we go, yeah, you're right. This is impossible for me. But the word of God says that nothing is impossible for him. And the entire storyline of our lives is constantly God trying to bring us back to a place where we fully rely on him, where we fully trust him for our future, for the fulfillment of the promises that he's spoken over our lives the wilderness is designed to push us beyond our limits. And the reality is, is that God will always focus on giving us the character that we need to sustain the blessing, to sustain what he wants to do. I'm all about God blessing us. I'm all about God pouring out his increase on his people. But are we ready for that? Because I have grown up in church. I was a pastor's kid for 20 years. I've been a lead pastor for three and a half years. And the most, the most cunning, common way that the enemy takes people out is not when things go wrong. It's when things go right. God gives us these promises and they give us hope and they give us a vision. And I'm sure, you know, Genesis 42 actually says that when Joseph was in those pits, it says that he remembered the dreams that God had given him. And God is so good that he gives us the dream. 
He gives us the hope. He gives us a glimpse so that we can hang on and keep going through the wilderness. He doesn't give it to us because he's going to do it right away. And this takes a certain level of maturity and understanding. God gives us the dream, and then he goes, now I'm going to help you become the person that you need to be in order to sustain this promise, in order that once I do fulfill my word over your life, that you're going to keep serving me, that you're going to keep loving me, that you're going to keep following me, that your life is going to glorify me. Psalm 105 says this, God called for a famine on the land of Canaan, which is where Joseph's family lived. He's been gone now for 13 years. His brothers think he's dead. They don't know what happened to him. Cutting off its food supply. Then God sent someone to Egypt ahead of them. Joseph, who was sold as a slave, they bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar until the time came to fulfill his dreams. The Lord tested Joseph's character. Okay, wait a minute. So you're telling me that the Lord tests our character by allowing us to experience pain, by allowing us to have our neck in an iron collar. I'm sorry, this is not the Western gospel that is being preached. You're saying that our good, good father allowed Joseph to have his body bound so that Joseph's character would be tested? Are we okay with this kind of God? You're not going to be okay with this kind of God if you think that what you need is for every single thing to go right the way you like it and your timing the way you want it, how you like it, smell how you like it, taste how you like it, preached how you like it, sung how you like it. No, no, not this God. He does his own thing. He uses pain. He uses suffering. He uses trials to develop character in us, to become more like him. Jesus Christ suffered. He faced trial and temptation. The Bible says that Jesus learned obedience through his suffering. Then it says that, verse 20 then Pharaoh sent for Joseph and set him free. The ruler of the nation opened his prison door, and Joseph was put in charge of all the king's household. He became ruler over the king's possessions. He could instruct the king's aides as he pleased and teach the king's advisors. And then it says in Genesis 42, 36, Since Joseph was the governor of all Egypt, and in charge of selling grain to all the people, it was to him that his brothers came. And then here's our big moment. When they arrived, they bowed before him. 
with their faces to the ground. So 13 years have passed. Joseph's gone through hell. He's now in the fulfillment of why God brought him there in the first place. And here come his brothers who their whole land is experiencing famine and they desperately need food or they're all going to die. And they're told, you have to go see this guy who has an Egyptian name at this point. His name's not Joseph. You need to go see this guy. And they come before this guy and they bow before him. And right here in this moment, the promise of God in that dream is fulfilled. But is this promise fulfilled worth it without the process? Because the promise fulfilled without the process looks like Joseph just wanting to be worshipped by his brothers. Bow at my feet, peasants. I'm better than you. I mean, what other outcome is there with that dream? But here, knowing the process that Joseph went through to get to this spot, and to see this powerful moment where God brings the whole thing back around and hear his brothers bowing before him, begging for mercy. It's a picture of salvation because this is Joseph's response in Genesis 45 through 8. After a long time of sort of messing with their heads. He had to get back at them a little bit, right? He, he gets back at them a little bit. But then he says to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? His brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer and he said again, I'm Joseph, your brother whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. And then he says this beautiful thing. But don't be upset. Don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. I want to focus on this. He says to his enemies... Don't be angry at yourself because it was actually God who sent me here. It was God who sent me here. And not only did God send me here, he sent me here to save your life. I don't know that we know how profound this is. I don't know that we know because... We put God into our little box. And Joseph, at the end of 13 years of hell, summarizes that season by, God led me here. God did it. Can I ask you a question? Can you still obey him in the midst of hard things? Can you still obey him? when nothing's going the way you think it should go? Can you look back over the most difficult time in your life and say, it was God who did it? And have the kind of perspective 
that lumps in blessing and hardship into the same pile and says it was God who did it. Because the difference between those who make it to their promise and those who don't are the ones who become bitter and angry in the process. They don't make it to their promise. And you and I always have a choice to trade in our promise, to trade in the words that God has spoken over us for something easier, for something seemingly more peaceful, better, brings us more pleasure. But God used Joseph to rescue an entire nation and his entire family because he didn't get bitter along the way. And we know he didn't get bitter because he now has the power to completely destroy his family. And instead, he reacts by saying, guys, don't hold this against yourselves. It's all good. God led me here. I was here for a reason. I'm here for a purpose. Our perspective is so small. And we have to trust that we see so little of the big picture. We see so little, and God sees this beginning to the end, and I wonder why we freak out. We make irrational decisions. We have these flash-in-the-pan moments, and we're really on fire for God for like two weeks, and then we're gone for eight months because things get hard, or we give up so easily we're believing god we're trusting god for something and then all of a sudden it just starts to look like it's going the wrong and it's just it's over i wonder if we actually realized if we actually accepted god i see so little of what you see i know so little of what's in my own heart and if I truly believe you're a good father, you're perfect in all of your ways, why do I do this? Why do I question? Why do I constantly spiral and think that you're not going to do the things that you said you're going to do? I want to read these in close. Because a promise will actually keep you on course until you reach where you're going. And a promise takes you into the next season. And there's so much in his word. And I'm, these aren't going to come up on the screen, but I just want to read these over you. Luke 1.37 says, The word of God will never fail. Jeremiah 1.12 says, the Lord says, I am watching, and I will certainly carry out all my plans. James 1, 2-4 says, When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. 
For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Philippians 1.6 says, And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. And 1 Timothy 1, 18 through 19, Paul says, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you. So Timothy's had prophetic words spoken over his life. He's had words from God. And Paul says, recall them that you may fight the battle well. Recall the promises of God. Recall the dreams. Recall the words that God has spoken over your life. So that what? You can fight the battle well. Those promises, those words, can actually help you keep going. If you hang on to them. If you repeat them to yourself. If you realize that God always is taking you through the wilderness. The wilderness is not your resting place. And the last text that I want to read is from Isaiah 35, 1 through 10, and then we'll pray. And this is God speaking. And I, I kind of just want everybody to just kind of close your eyes and bow your heads and kind of focus on what I'm saying because I believe this is prophetic over your life over this church, over its future. If you felt like you're in a season of confusion, if you felt like you're in a season where it's dry and you don't really feel God's presence anymore, if you felt like you're in a season where it's been so long since you feel like God's done anything in your life that you've just kind of given up, I want to read this prophetically over your life and over your heart. It says, even the wilderness and the desert will be glad in those days. The wasteland will rejoice and blossom. Yes, there will be an abundance of flowers and singing and joy. The desert will become as green as the mountains of Lebanon, as lovely as Mount Carmel or the plain of Sharon. There the Lord will display his glory the splendor of our God. With this news, strengthen those who have tired hands and encourage those who have weak knees. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies and he is coming to save you. And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness, and streams will water the wasteland. The parched ground will become a pool, and springs of water will satisfy the thirsty land. Marsh grass and reeds and rushes will flourish where desert jackals once lived, and a great road will go through that once deserted land and it will be named the highway of holiness and evil-minded people will never travel on it. It will only be for those who walk in God's ways. Only the redeemed will walk on it 
and they will enter singing, crowned with everlasting joy, and sorrow and mourning will disappear, and they will be filled with joy and gladness. I want you to know that this too is a promise over your life and where you've felt trapped in depression or trapped in anxiety or trapped in not knowing what to do or trapped in not feeling anything or trapped in not knowing what your next step is that you're supposed to take. I want to promise you that the word of God says that there's going to be streams that flow into the desert of your life. There's going to be water that rushes into those dry places. And my prayer for you today is that you would accept this God who leads you to water. He leads you to these green pastures, but he also leads you into wildernesses. He leads you into places that seem like you're going further and further away from what he's promised you. And if you will accept this part of who God is, you'll actually be able to go through the wilderness with joy, with eyes of faith, saying, I might be in a wilderness right now, but I know my God. And the wilderness is just the way that he's taking me to where he's called me to be. And then you can start taking those hard moments and actually saying, yep, you're right, I can't do this. That's why I need him and rely on him and trust in him and put your hope and your faith in him so that we can start to see water flowing in these areas. I love this because it says that only the people who obey him are going to see this. So we don't get to go through wildernesses and do whatever we want and he brings in the rushing water. No, no. He says, the people who obey me are going to see this. And I want to be someone who obeys God because I want to see my wildernesses turn into wonder, turn into places that people can look and say, that came from that. And they can, God can be glorified in my life. Amen? I want to pray for you right now as we close, and then Quentin's going to come up and give us some announcements. But, Lord, as your church, we just come before you in this moment, and we thank you for the wilderness. We thank you for the desert places. We thank you that you love us enough to test our character, that you love us enough to shape us into who we need to be in order to step into the promises that you have for us. God, this morning, we accept that you are the God of the mountain, but you're also the God of the valley. God, we accept that your timing is not slow, that your ways are not slow, that they are exactly what we need in the exact time. And so this morning I pray that anyone who is in the middle of a wilderness, you know you're sitting there and you're like, this is me. This is for me. I feel dry. I feel lost. 
I just pray right now that Isaiah 35 would become real in their lives, that you would rush the inner places of their heart, their mind, and soul with your spirit, with the living water of your word, that you would quench thirst, that you would bring to fulfillment all that you have for each and every person in this place. We thank you, God, as we go through this summer, this hot time in our country, that you would refresh us, that you would give us your perspective, your eyesight. Give us the faith to endure. Remind us right now of the words that you've spoken over us. Remind us of the promises that you've made. And we hold on to those things during this season of our lives because we know that you will fulfill every single promise that you've made in your timing. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. To hear more, subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on our website poemachurch.ca